Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Alex Hughes. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Happy to be here. All right. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am an engineering manager at Eureka Soft. I work with clients to help build and manage their engineering teams remotely. Yes, you do. Yeah, we've definitely worked on uh, a lot of projects together, and that's why I'm really happy to have you on the show. So you want to tell like a little bit about how you got into tech, what your what your path was, just like how you got to, to where you are? Oh, sure. It's a uh... It's a long story, but it's a super interesting one, especially from my point of view, as it mostly is for everybody. I well, I think you you came in through a, a boot camp, right? I you did, I that. did. Yeah, yeah. I I had worked in entertainment for about ten years, and um, you know the the lifestyle, the project to project wasn't really fun for me. So I uh, realized that there was a lot of things that I really liked about coding, about um, just the programming logic in general and the culture. And I went over to General Assembly. This is over when uh, I was living in LA at the time. They had a great facility, great people. And I took, I want to believe it was a 12-week intensive for uh, software engineering and web development. So we got a little bit of comp sci in there and also, uh, you know, the traditional full stack info, just the whole rundown. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And since then, uh, a lot of professional experience later. And uh, I just, you know, for me, I think it was important for people to hear that because I think we have a lot of listeners who who come through the boot camp world. And I want want any listeners hearing this to know that, that you can definitely oh, yeah. take that very far. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think a lot of what I'm curious to hear you talk about is what, what have you learned uh, over your career? Like what... Like, what do you know now? Like, how do you see things differently uh, compared to uh, the Alex that was in that boot camp a while ago? Well, the biggest thing that I think that has changed for me is how I view networking. And also another thing is how I view communication. I think both of them are essential for people coming out of boot camps or college in general. I mean, you want to meet as many people as you can, discuss all the things that you like, because, you know, even if you're coming out of a college course for computer science, you're not going to know everything that there's going to be in the world (laughs) of tech. Uh, And even, you know, double more so for people that go through boot camps, you know, specifically what you can do. You come out with a series of talents that are marketable, that you can uh, definitely get hired for, but you see these people, these junior devs that consistently go on to job boards that are are told by um, by their, I want to say, hiring manager helpers that are in boot camps or maybe like guidance career counseling. services. Yeah, yeah, career services, mm-hmm. something like that. That you need to create an Excel sheet. You need to apply to ten jobs per day and track them on this Excel sheet. When I mean, I. I I kind of think that this is applicable for not just tech, but everywhere else in the world, because this is networking. It's you need to meet face to face. And mm-hmm. that's been particularly difficult now with COVID. But mm-hmm. JSLA, an organization that uh, 
you know, and I organize has done a really good job with your application, the Rambly, uh, which essentially, you know, you can talk with people in a Nintendo-esque world and it's like you're there in real life. So, so there was actually a JSLA last night and it's interesting that you bring this up because uh, one of our speakers at the end of his, of his talk uh, plugged his company and said that he was hiring. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome company, very tech focused. It is a it's a product for developers. It is it is super cool, very well respected. You know, I I definitely made the choice to to use it. It's a foundational piece of of technology. Um, I use it uh, for a number of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you know, really really cool company is what I'm getting at. Oh, wow. And um, he he gets off the stage and he's hanging out in Rambly. So pretty much anybody can come up and, and talk to him. So oh, yeah. I'll do I'll do a little bit of a tangent right now. So <laughs> Rambly is picture a Super Nintendo role playing game where you can walk around as a as a character and move around in the world and you can see everyone else. It's, it's multiplayer. Um, uh, if you know the game, uh, Earthbound or, you know, like Legend of Zelda from the Super Nintendo era, uh, think that it it looks kind of like that. So you can see him in the world. He, he got off the stage and now it's the networking part. And he had just said that he's hiring and he's looking for, soft, for software engineers. Mm-hmm. And I did not see a single person I know. Yeah. approach him and ask yeah. him what he was working on what they're hiring for. Yeah. Um, well, not only any, that, but the, the anything position. About that. Yeah, the position that he said was like uh, anybody that came out of college or a boot camp's like dream. He said, mm-hmm. you know, it's mostly some, you know, Node.js and then some React. Oh, right. Like, yeah. who the hell? Like, absolutely, I would have jumped at that. And you're right. We went back into Rambly and he was standing there for a bit and I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I, I, I want to be clear that it's not like you could just talk to somebody like that and they give you a right. job. Right. But what they're saying is that they're open for business. They are they are making it very clear that they have a neon sign that says, come talk to me about my company, what we're working on, the fact that I'm hiring and I am more than happy, actually thrilled to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. And I will share with you exactly what we're looking for, what we're not looking for, what I'm excited about, what I'm having trouble with. Mm-hmm. And all of these things that if you do apply are going to to help you. It's like it's like having telepathy. You'd be able to read the mind of anybody interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge advantage to have a conversation with somebody like that in an informal setting before you head down the formal path of of applying. Yeah. Um, and that is why networking is so important. It is not necessarily, oh, hey, you're hiring. I know React and Node. Can I have a job? Yes. Cool. Thanks. Glad we talked. It's not it's not necessarily that, um, but it is a huge advantage to learn more about the position, see if you are a good fit. And and if you are, then you know how to make the case 
for for why you are going to be really beneficial right. to them. And I'm going to get this, into that too. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's it's interesting, and I think the most important part of what you were just talking about is we should place emphasis on the informal part. I don't think that uh, there's many other places where you can meet people of that caliber that are looking for you know a person with that type of uh, skill set than you know informal events where you're meeting people that are tech professionals that are there to hang out and meet people for the first time, make friends, because networking isn't just about getting a job. It's about making connections. It's about uh, making meaningful relationships with people that you can build, build your foundation in your career. And doing that informally, because when we're talking about people applying to jobs online, people applying just blindly and not really putting effort into it. I mean, of course, it takes effort to sign in and put in all your information and, and et cetera. But I almost think that there's this culture of, oh, I don't need to do anything. My skills will speak for themselves. And the fact is, it's like, sure, for people that like built a Linux computer when they were four and, you know, have done all these crazy things for the vast majority of people. That's, that's not going to happen. I, I appreciate the spirit, but I mean, it's true. I mean, I think more what, what, what I would say is that, yes, if you are well known in the space and people are approaching you, yeah, by all means, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. They, they know, they know the project that, that you've worked on. They're coming to you. They know mm-hmm. you're a known quantity. But um, that gives you more reason to go up and talk to the people because you are just starting out to be that mm-hmm. person that can make these amazing projects, to be that person that people want to come up to. And, you know, if you don't have a very big community that you can talk to or know people about, you know, talking to people hands down is the key to networking. You know, if mm-hmm. people say, what is the secret? You're like, well, there's not a secret, but <laughs> you do need to talk to people. You do need to show them that you are yeah. a person that's real. It's showing, I would say it's showing, showing up and being present. And so the other thing that I wanted to say, right, is, is even if you talk to, to somebody like that or hiring, you approach them like, oh, what are you working on? What are you looking for? And maybe they say something really specific that you don't have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they might say, Oh, we need people who have experience working on the Linux kernel. Um, you know that it's just really important to us. We're we're dealing with this low-level stuff, or you know, firmware drivers, or something like that. And you, that it's like super not you. Like, is this conversation a waste of time? No, because mm-hmm. you can also dig a little bit and find out, like, oh, well, like, do you have other teams that are doing Node and React? And they might say, like, no, not yet. But like, you know, we do have something starting up, you know, like next year. And you'd be like, ah, oh, that's super cool because, you know, that's what I'm working on. Actually, you know, this thing that I just built, I'm pretty excited about, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can tell them about that. And you can also follow up and, and basically say, you know, hey, um, you know, so you don't have anything now, but you mentioned you got this thing in the, in the future. Uh, is it all right if I, you know, email you and, and stay in touch and maybe see how that thing progresses? Exactly. It's about the relationships. Yeah. And if you form that foundation with that person, you might be the first person to know about mm-hmm. a future job opening where he, he or she just might uh, think of you first. They might be like, oh, wow, this is exactly like that project that, that, that dev showed me at the meetup. They would be perfect. 
uh, I'm just going to email them and see if they're interested. Because if they are, I'm just going to save myself a whole, you know, boatload <laughs> of time setting up a job post and interview and, oh, yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, and stuff like this happens all the time. But if you don't have the foundation, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I really love that you brought up networking because I do. I agree. I, that's something I see a lot of people miss. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you brought up is communication. So what what's the difference in in how you used to view communication then and communication now? Oh, man. Well, if we think about it, communication before getting into any industry at a professional level is basically one path. You want to communicate with somebody you are looking to try and resolve or ask a question or uh, pinpoint something that you would like to know. And to me, getting into management and working with other people and understanding that there's goals that I have as a manager, there's goals that the company has as a company, um, which is also part of the networking. You find out what the company's goals are and you know, that's, that's another great thing. There's also the goals of my direct reports. There's the people that, you know, I understand they have these things that they want to get better at. They have uh, obstacles that they've tried to overcome. So with communication comes this very specific type of, I don't want to say power, but it's a, an ability, a skill to really understand the other person. And I never truly understood the importance of that type of communication until I started managing people. And I have to say the, uh, the coaching handbook has been, I can't even explain it. It is right on point with most of the things that, um, you know, I do for one-on-ones and all hands. This is uh, this is the book that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, The, the coaching, uh, handbook, I believe it's called and I think habit. Thank you. And for me, it's one of those things where you help the other person become better. And in turn, they help your organization become better. And you also build up that relationship with the person. You try and understand who they are, what they want, what their aspirations are, also what they're good at, what they like doing. And you get a sense for their work habits, they, uh, whether or not they you know, have something personal coming up, you can schedule that. It's it's communication is no longer just a single thread. It is a thousand thread rope that sprays out into other million threads. And it's really understanding how to maneuver around them and get to the bottom of the point that you're really trying to ask. It seems like a lot of your perspective change has been from being a developer to being a manager right so it sounds it sounds like a lot of the things that you're saying are important to you now are figuring out what's going on and and you know the developer and and what do they want and what are they trying to get and uh things like that um, sure yeah well and like you said what was that really awesome uh metaphor about the chainsaw you know you have a uh, the difference junior between junior dev. devs and, yeah. and mid-level devs and senior devs. It's the, okay, why are you building a chainsaw? First of all, well, I just need to get my car door open or something like that. And you're like, okay, no, let's let's not do that. Uh, I think the change in communication was, of course, I'll just ask a question. That's the junior, right? Mid is like, okay, 
I can ask a question and I can show you what I've done. And then the manager or senior is, why am I asking this question? What is the meta to this communication that we're going to have? And what is my goal? And is this in service of that goal? Let's say you you kind of had enough with management. You went back to being an individual contributor. I know a lot of managers can go back and forth. How would you, how would, what would you do differently with your communication? If your manager left you out on an island for two weeks and he came back, would he be happy or would he be sad? And honestly, as a junior dev, asking questions, being accountable for your decisions and how you choose to address obstacles that have come your way and show your manager that you have overcome certain things that you've learned from. That to me is what I consider to be communicating with the manager on a more output-based level. So if you want to do something that really improves yourself and outlook as a, as a junior dev, I would say focus on the process, focus on giving people context to the process, and also being in a constant level of upwards optimization or efficiency. Uh, you want to continue to become an effective member of your team. And if it's little by little every day, that's great. But you want to avoid the plateaus. You want to avoid the uh, the receding. That to me is what matters: is that you show accountability towards the projects that you're given, that you are able to make mistakes and learn from them, and you are able to communicate what you have learned to your manager in a confident manner. Mm -hmm. So let's let's dig into like the sort of that that flip side. So like, what are the behaviors of like somebody who's reported to you that uh, that had horrible communication. Like, what what does that look like? Managing somebody with with horrible communication, and why is that a problem for you? Right. So it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with communication, and you know, okay, I'm going to ask this question. I don't know why. Um, in a lot of the check-ins that I've had with some of my engineers, we've had people just say, "There's this problem." Period. And I'm waiting on the Slack channel, and I'm understanding like, okay, I know <laughs> I've seen that in the main channel. That was a pretty big thing. What do you have to say about it? Like, what do you, are you going to tell me that you want to replicate it again? Cause we don't want that. What do you want me to assume here? Like is the idea that they're just like pointing to this problem and waiting for you to solve it for them or something? Exactly. Yes. You do not want to do that. That to me is a sign of a dev that is not interested in finding out the problem themselves and by proxy, they're not interested in improving their skills as a dev in uh, the organization that we're in. Mm -hmm. So if you were in a one-on-one -on -one with me and there was an issue that you wanted to talk about, you have to think about what is the issue? What have I done to try and solve it? Who have I talked to? What does the issue do? How does it affect the environment that we're in? And you know, is there a time limit to this? I, I need to know if I can go and look further in this or if I need to bring it up to Alex. Like, this is something that's important. It's managing essentially the projects that you're given in a way that gives you accountability as the dev and also gives me confidence as the manager. And by bringing up issues in a structured way, 
shows me that you've thought about it, that number one, you're aware of it, uh, that was bad, and uh, it's something that you want to change. And coming up with certain approaches, I mean, what's wrong with giving me four different ways that we can solve it? One of the, it doesn't have to, just thinking about all the different ways is a great act in of itself. I, even if one of the ways is, we just forget about it and the site won't crash again, I swear. Like, okay, no, but that's a great thing to just play around with in your head because if you think about all these ridiculous situations along with some serious ones, it's bound to bounce off and really yield some important results. Now, of course, I'm not saying to make jokes all the time, but it is incredibly important to be aware and consistent in how responsible you are for the projects that are given to you. It sounds like the one of the worst things that you can see is is when a you know a developer comes to you with problem, but they're they're effectively just saying here's the problem. Effectively, you know, they're just asking you or implying that you should solve it for them. Now, you know, on one hand, I think I think your tech lead, your manager, I think they can be incredible resources for getting problems solved. Um, in some cases, they're going to be the ones that are going to, if it's a problem with a feature or like an epic or a collection of features, and there's some sort of deadline or any kind of like target to hit, they're an amazing person to talk to because they're going to be really, uh, you know, probably your best shot at getting the scope cut. They're going to they're, they may even be able to say like, oh, OK, that's a problem. Well, that's not that important. We don't we don't actually have to do it or OK, well, we can just ship first and then we'll figure out a better way to do it or, oh, well, OK, building it ourselves is not likely to work very well or you're not enjoying it or something like that. That's fine. There's this service that we could just pay for and, you know, we can we can sidestep it that way. Um they they have a lot of tools at their disposal to actually help you solve many different types of problems from a almost non-technical level, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't surprising if they're they're you know more <laughs> um, do more managing. On the other hand, um, they also have a lot more uh, lateral visibility, and they may have seen uh, issues like this come up in the past or on other teams, and they may be able to, to just say something to the effect of, oh, you know, the front end team, you know, working on, you know, the, the e-commerce side, uh, they actually ran into something similar. And mm-hmm. I think they solved it this way, but you should go talk to, you know, Alex over there. Um, they can, you know, they can help you. And that's, so, so what I'm getting at is, look, absolutely, your manager, your tech lead, fantastic resource for getting problems solved. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing is you can't expect them to do all of the work for you. And I think, Alex, what you're saying is that there's more that they can do to help you. Like they can help you can help they can help you help help them. It sounds like one of the most useful things that you were talking about is to uh, come up with potential options, right? Mm -hmm. Like just providing example solutions, no matter how flawed. So one of the things that that I think you, you suggested is one of the solutions is, is do nothing. Like this is, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't, we actually don't have to take painkillers for the headache because it's going to go away on its own. So we'll do the do nothing approach, which, you know, might be incredibly flawed, but it gives you a place to start 
uh, talking about it. But even just giving one option is not nearly as helpful as I think you mentioned. Four, three is is quite often a magic number where the your manager uh, can can evaluate the trade offs and recognize what's important and maybe use that as a way of informing uh, what what they might suggest. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in some sense, too, in the check-ins, the method of which you ask a question and method in which I enforce how people ask questions sort of drips down very much so into the culture of the organization that you work in. Do you want engineers always coming to you for an answer? I mean, there are many times where if they straight up asked me a question, I'd be, I could answer it. Absolutely. Like, sure. Uh, who else have you asked about this? Oh, no. And I figured I'd just come to you. So, okay, well, go ask other people because... You mean like their like they're teammates, like other engineers? Yeah. Absolutely. Go ask the other engineers. Like, this is something that is a healthy way of learning how to deal with obstacles by yourself and also learning how to deal with obstacles as a team. And working with... I would say 18 engineers, somebody has an issue. I'm not there for whatever reason. They should be able to be self-reliant and understand, okay, here are different things that we know how to do. Here's, you know, we're all going to attack this in the same way. It's that culture of being accountable for what you do. And I think that's one of the many threads of communication and how it can be used to improve the efficacy of whatever organization that you're in. And I very much believe that it's a healthy way of not only just running a business, but also allowing engineers to learn. You know, there's so many different ways where if I had just answered a question straight up, they wouldn't have gone into a repository and looked at a certain function and found out that it returned something that they weren't really expecting. Now they understand the the issue and they come out with a greater, uh, understanding of the system that they work in and mm-hmm. yeah, that's like they're returns. never they're never going to get stronger if you keep lifting the weights for them absolutely yeah it returns in dividends and the more you do it the more returns that you'll see yeah so flipping that around i just want to try and put a little bit more of a bow on this like sure if uh if that's the sort of the worst way that an engineer can can communicate with you is here's a problem just sort of mm-hmm. uh, just like leaving a, a, a thing on, on the doorstep and, and no other information. Like what, so what's the ideal? Like just give a very concrete example of like what, what an ideal uh, set of communication that, could, that, that a listener could emulate is. So first of all, the ideal is one that promotes confidence in your understanding about the issue. So there are many ways to do that. One of the ways is stating the issue in a comprehensive way and listing the things that you've tried in order to figure it out. Uh, you know, this this doesn't necessarily have to always be about issues. It could be about any questions that you may have for any number of reasons. I don't understand this documentation. Uh, there's, you know, the I have a question about a Slack channel. Any question that you have it's good to show that you understand what the question actually is. You know, you don't want to say, I don't understand this certain Slack channel, so I've logged out of my Google account. Like what? No. Uh, Okay, what exactly is the issue again? 
uh, please tell me. But this way, if you inspire confidence, you show us what you've done to try and address it, that the specific people that you've talked to, what their recommendations are, you still can't fix it. Then you give me what you think it is. I, I think that there's a lot of merit into shooting in the dark when you don't really understand you know, what it is and saying, due to all of these things above, I think it is X, Y, and Z. Don't be afraid of failure. That's the other thing. It's, it's not going to kill your career. It's not going to, and honestly, if a manager you know, looks down at you for trying to figure it out, that's, that's on them. It's not on you. I think showing initiative to try and figure something out that you don't understand that you put work into to try and figure out, that's commendable. That shows me, not only does it give me confidence that you are actively trying to figure this out, but it also gives me confidence that you're actively trying to become a better engineer. And that's what I like to see. Even if you're way off, I mean, we'll have, we'll have a discussion about it. Be like, hey, so tell me what made you think this? Oh, uh, reason X, Y, Z. Then we talk about that and clear that up. So it's one of the many ways that everything is tied together. And it really comes with, it's funny, I, I think it comes with both questions and answers because I, I can get, that's a whole other thing that I can get into. But when you ask a question to a manager, that's essentially what it is. Instill confidence, show me that you've done work, and then also show me that you're not afraid of being wrong and give me some suggestions that you think it is and why. Awesome. Uh, what, what this is bringing to mind, though, is I think oftentimes you'll wind up with a developer who uh, the issue is with the communication is they won't even ask questions. You know, it's like, how's it going? You know, what's on your mind? Like, nope, everything's fine. Like, do you have mm-hmm. any questions or anything you want to talk about? Like, sure. No, no questions. Yeah. Well, I can talk about that, too. I, I have a firm belief that it's I use check-ins to literally or one-on-ones to literally check in on engineers. And a part of what I communicate to engineers when I onboard them is we use these one-on-ones or check-ins so that you can tell me how you're doing. I can use them to give you pointers or bring up things that I'd like to see you improve. And you can tell me your goals. You can tell me some things that you were excited about last week. You can tell me things that you were disappointed about last week. And it's a very personal meeting between two people. So when I see that there's not a lot of effort being put into those things, that they don't really care about that meeting. To me, and I, I very much so make this clear to them, this does not show me that you are interested in getting better in this organization. I just want you to know that, that these parts, these, these meetings that we have are for you to show me that you are interested in growing here as an engineer. And if you don't think that you're being challenged enough, then let's, we can definitely find you some work that will be more than enough for, for you to handle for a whole week. But these, these check-ins or one-on-ones that we have, they need to have substance. They need to give me context for what you're doing, what you like, what you want to do, uh, how you are utilizing the resources that you have at this company to make your role here better. Give me a reason that we should give you more responsibility, make you a tech lead, improve your salary. There's so many different things that these one-on-ones are used for that to see somebody come in with, "Ah, everything's good. It's not a good sign. Yeah. uh, I think one of the things that 
uh, an engineer might say is like, why, why does this matter? Like, can't you just focus on the results? Like I'm doing the work, like every, every issue assigned to me, I've created a PR, they've been relatively bug free. Like, why are you making me come to you with like questions? Or why do I have to talk about how my weekend was? Like, what would you, what would you say to a developer like that? Well, I would kind of question, what do you want to do with your role? Would you always like to be at this rate at doing these same things? And if so, I'm still going to need more from you because I need to know that you're still in the same mindset, that you can still provide the same amount of work and quality of work. I don't want to just be blinding, blindly handing out these projects to you because, oh, okay, I can do them and I'll give you the same amount of quality which is if you're doing good quality, sure. But it also doesn't give me a lot of confidence that if you are faced with something that is rather challenging to you and your skills, that you're not just going to give up because, oh, I don't want to do this. It's not, you know, I feel like this challenges me too much or this isn't, you know, in line with what I want to do. I'm, I'm almost off of work, which it's just like, sure, we have work hours, but this is something that's really important. We need you to pick it up tomorrow morning. Okay, well, I'll try. It's, to me, it's it's it showcases the effort that an engineer wants to put into their job. And personally, I think getting to know your manager, there's a lot of, of positives that you can have with that. I think people that don't want to go into one-on-ones either don't understand the usefulness of it or they're not that invested in their role that they are currently in. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of what we've covered is really pointing to what like what is the purpose of this communication? Like why is it important? Mm-hmm. And um I think the truth is uh look, if you if you are uh solo, like you are just working on your own projects just by yourself and mm-hmm. you are the only customer, um you don't need any communication, yeah. right? There's it's no fine. there's no alignment that needs to happen. Like you, you don't have a teammate, you don't have a teammate who you need to divvy up work and make sure that you're not stepping on each other's toes. You don't have to worry that you are going to take divergent approaches that are going to compete with each other. Like you're not going to start rowing in in different directions or something like that. Right. Um, Exactly. uh, You know, you you know, it's not like you have to worry that you have customers that you don't understand right you know so if you are your own customer then you know them perfectly like you you Mm -hmm. wouldn't need to have a product manager explain to you what an accountant is really looking for in the the SaaS product that you're you're building so you wouldn't need to to understand that or kind of communicate back to the product manager what the constraints are so that they could fix the scope and and come up with better solutions like you wouldn't you wouldn't need to, to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, if you are going to work on any any team or you are going to work with any other person, uh, that communication is coordination. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a limit to how effective you can be, no matter, um, no matter if you're a, a 10x coder or a 100x coder or something like that, you're just not actually going to be providing that value if you do not coordinate well with your teammates or um, ultimately the the end 
user. Yeah. And it is two ways, right? Uh, on one hand, you do need to know what the other other people are thinking, right? So uh, it, it, that is the importance of asking questions. I think you, you've talked a lot about, uh, about that. Um, so, you, but also you need to be able to answer questions, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. uh, people, people need to be able to know, um, or even ideally not even have to ask questions. Uh, you should be able to, uh, thoroughly communicate what your goals are, what your strategies for, for how to achieve them are and what your specific, um, I want to say tactics because tactics and strategy go together, but mm -hmm. what your specific methods are for achieving those goals. And so oftentimes that's like, okay, why? So we have this issue open um, to create, you know, a new page that uh, achieves these, these things for users, like, right? you know, so like users can't do this today. We want them to be able to do it tomorrow. Uh, so that's the issue. Now open up a pull request mm -hmm. that makes that possible. Well, there's an infinite right. number of ways of doing that. And so it is really helpful to any managers, any stakeholders and your teammates to get a clear sense of why you are going with the approach that you've chosen, what mm -hmm. the alternatives were and what um, what went into that decision, like what the possible drawbacks are. It's like um, in any leadership position, you need to lead by example. So when I request people say, okay, you please ask questions this way. And in return, when there are new tickets to be made, when there's new epics that we put up on, on uh, Zen Hub, I require just as much detail and to service these, these engineers. It's like, I'm not going to just say, here's this gigantic thing that you need to do. Let me know what the estimate is. It's very much, uh, I'm going to split this into subtasks. Here's what we need to do. Here's some context that product gave us. Here's all the, the areas and repositories that we're going to be using. And here's some Figma uh, drawings for the front end and also back end. This is how we would like the data be, to be given to us, et cetera. The more context that you give anyone, the better. Mm -hmm. It's communication. It's collaboration. It is essential to the success of any project that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Are there any... Uh... Like daily habits or routines that that you really uh, like to see developers do. Oh yeah. Well, we currently we have one one really good thing that uh, we we somewhat I like to see developers create a plan for the day, and that plan includes all of the different tasks so, that they. So this is every every day. Every single day, mm -hmm. you have at nine o'clock in the morning. Whenever your company starts, you write down a list of all the different tasks that you need to complete, not what you're going to work on, not you're going to talk to somebody about, or, oh, I'm going to think about this really, really hard. Okay. And so are, are all of these tasks, like what you're going to get, you're going to do that day, you're going to work on all of them? Yes. You are going to complete all of these things that you want to do by that day. So you can say, I... I'm going to create a PR that solves this issue. This button will be blue by the end of the day. Simple, actionable, completable things that you will be doing that day that you can time box. If you're not familiar with time boxing, I would 
100% look it up. It has changed my life. It's phenomenal. Also, the Pomodoro method is great. Um, these tasks should be actionable. They should be completed at the end of the day. I mean, I think a lot of developers kind of do this, right? There's, there's stand-ups and it's like, oh, what's your plan for the day? And so, you know, they'll just say like, oh, you know, I've been assigned to this PR. I'm going to work on it today. So, so I mean, I... I, I that just, would not be acceptable. No, 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 because they're going to work on it, right? So if that developer, all of a sudden their internet just goes out and we can't get in contact with them until whatever cable company they're with gets their internet back up, what have they done? Mm-hmm. You mean so they so they worked on it all day, but they didn't complete it, and uh, so it did did nothing for the for the company, right? Like if they disappeared, yeah. I was, mean, yeah. yeah. Where where's the code? Oh, it's it's on their local machine. Okay, well, mm-hmm. that's not good. So that means that there's an entire day of us paying an engineer that is is gone, and also this allows them to structure their day, whether or not they use Standuply or other, you know. Um, scheduling apps. I think this is a key habit for many, many engineers that mid senior, I I don't really think it matters, structuring out your day and giving yourself a goal to complete will make you an incredibly productive member of your team. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the most important thing here is that feedback loop, right? So I I think the reason why you're saying that, uh, uh, and I agree that I'm going to work on this PR is not acceptable um, because there's no there's no yes or no to that. Like mm-hmm. if they just if they open up the issue and they read it again, well, technically they worked on it. Right. So, yep, worked on it. There's no uh, accountability. There's no scorecard. There is no way for them to know if they they achieved anything. Yeah. I agree. And what's better is that, as you'll see, people that are invested in their role, invested in the company that you're with and really like what they do, there's a high chance that the amount of things that they are able to achieve goes up and the amount of things that they weren't able to achieve during that day goes down. So it's just another way of improving your skills as an engineer and also giving your manager something to look at and have tangible proof that, you know, you have improved. So you can say, Hey, I have been scheduling 15 things to do today. I, when I started three months ago, I was scheduling five things to do. I think this is a sub like substantial increase in, in my value here. And I would like to have a raise. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's good on so many facets. I would just recommend everybody start doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think that that very measurable incremental process and and, mm-hmm. and I, I often think of it like like calling your shot, um, you know, like playing pool or something. Right. Like you are ahead of time saying eight ball corner pocket. And one of the criticisms that I, I hear often from devs about this is like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. So much happens during the day and, you know, I don't I don't know what I'm going to get done. You know, like I, I, everything is so crazy all the time. A bug could happen. Like, who knows? Like, so I don't I don't want to commit. And again, it's like this fear of being wrong, like mm-hmm. as if there isn't value from oh, knowing and recording that, mm-hmm. hey, today I set out to add a new like CSV download feature to the page. Um, 
like that's verifiable. At the end of the day, you can say like, yep, yesterday the user could not click a button and have a CSV downloaded. And today they can go to a report and have yeah. a CSV downloaded. I completed that today. Um, mm -hmm. That is that's verifiable. And I think I think developers are really scared of committing to that. And and then, you know, because especially if they're in a chaotic environment, that if they commit, you know, they, they plan, they commit to saying, like, yes, I'm going to have this done today. And then all of a sudden a showstopper production bug happens and they they need to work on that. And then they don't finish the thing that they they plan to. They're like afraid that that's that's bad. But the okay. truth is, if you have uh, this documented, right, where day one plan is to add CSV download uh, and then day two, did you complete your plan yesterday? And it's like, no, a production so showstopper happened with the, you know, the checkout flow and I needed to do that. And then and then, you know, day two's plan is, OK, you know, CSV download. Then day three, did you complete day two's plan? No. Uh, a showstopper bug happened with the the CI/CD pipeline, and we couldn't do any deploys. And so it's like, okay, what's your plan today? Well, I'm going to do the CSV thing, and this keeps happening. You know, I think developers are afraid of doing this, but that is phenomenal information mm -hmm. for the manager to basically say, like, listen, like you can't assign me this CSV thing until mm -hmm. you figure out what the underlying issues are that are making this a chaotic environment that we can't get any proactive yeah. work done. We're busy being reactive. So you need to not assign me the CSV thing and you need to assign me a, uh, a task that is paying down the tech debt that is fixing the, you know, these issues in our process that keep leading to these, these showstoppers. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't, if you don't, like record this and you it's like you don't want to know because you're you're scared mm -hmm. or you think it's going to make you look bad you're never going to get it fixed right it's like it's like as if you're you're playing a a, a video game that like it just kind of like the screen never I'll turns next on. time yeah it's like you have you have no idea like if you're getting farther in the level or not mm -hmm. or if you died or anything like that you're just like pushing buttons and hearing like some sounds and it's like okay i guess i'm playing the game but like are well, you you know? On that level, because what you brought up is essentially one of the many, many amazing reasons why this is important. Like it can go as deep as that. Also, engineers being afraid of failure or not doing something correctly, failure, faults. How else do you expect to get better? That's my mm -hmm. question. I had, I was actually just talking to an engineer um, and it was interesting because we have a lot of issues with, I don't want to say correct thought, because then that implies that there is one correct thought and that would just be kind of weird, but it is how you handle accountability. And failure tends to bring out a lot of weird stuff with people that are insecure about their skills. Mm -hmm. And to me, being able to admit that you were wrong, that, you know, I said that I was going to get that CSV tool done today. I tried. There were some things in there that I did not even think about, and I couldn't complete it today. I had eight hours to complete it. I didn't do it. I will learn how to do this better, and this will be completed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I would rather see that than an excuse where, oh, well, there was this other high-impact bug that I had to work on, 
And you're like, okay, that's that's fine. And then I have to do work, go into the high impact bug and see that he made one tiny commit that's to the readme of the thing that wasn't even, that took him like 30 minutes, right? Yeah. That is a waste of my time. And that or is a if deflection. It wasn't even, or if it wasn't even high, high impact or, or it wasn't yeah, what sure. they should have been working on, that should have been another, sure. another team. It's like that they're, 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 they're either easily or conveniently finding something exactly. else to work on because mm-hmm. whatever they're working on is hard or something and they avoidance yeah. deflection mm-hmm. not good understanding and being accountable for what you are tasked to do with yourself and owning your mistakes and learning from them is key if you are a junior dev you can't be afraid to make mistakes and i will tell you why because you are going to whether you like it or not like that is mm-hmm. One is inescapable as console log hello world. That that you is just, just one just of those you things. You can't get you can't get better without making mistakes. Yeah. It's like the idea of like playing a video game perfectly on the the like the very first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't speed not that run there's arcades anymore, but you get the Ocarina idea. Of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like not good. Just, yeah, you're just not not even gonna get hit on the very first time you're playing the game. Like, it's just how you get better. Yeah. It's just how you, yeah. If you want to be a good person in good spirits, you can't assume that you're going to be a 10x employee your first week or first month. It's like, you're going to make mistakes. Ask questions until you don't have to ask questions anymore. Learn from things, become better, and uh, you're going to do great. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like the, the failures, like, like you want them to be small, right? So the idea that you're scared of a failure, like, oh, I plan to do this by the end of the day and that you don't hit it. Like that is kind of like the smallest failure you can possibly have. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't be scared of that. That's that's like you have to have failures to grow. So that should be the size that you're you're doing. And the other thing to to I think I want to make very clear is you are in charge of mm-hmm. setting your own goals, right? And so if you keep choosing something that you keep failing on. Well, that's a clue to to reduce the scope of your of your plans until you start hitting them. Right. And then much like weights, you're going to naturally take bigger and bigger swings and and then, you know, be able to do more and more. Right. So that this is this is like you can't expect to go to the gym for the first time and bench, you know, like 200 pounds. Right. Oh, man. And so if you just keep showing up at the gym trying to bench 200 pounds, like it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you have to you have to go and then choose something realistic. And it might take you a little bit to find out that, OK, first day 200. All right, mm-hmm. let's drop it down to 150. OK, that's too much. 100. OK, 60. OK, I can do 60. And then like step it up from there. And occasionally you might get it wrong. You might jump from 60 to 80 and realize like, OK, no, that was too much. Let's go yeah. back down to, to 70. And that's how you get better. And that's how you grow stronger. And and being afraid of mm, yeah. like reaching and then calibrating how far you reach is it's not going to serve you. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it often comes from insecurity to try and do something that you think you know you can do. I don't want to say that I'm going to do it because I might get it wrong. And it's like, no you are putting this expectation on yourself that's unrealistic. And I would say skill, no matter 
any form that you're talking about. It could be going to the gym, could be programming, could be a lawyer, surgeon. Skill does not come from ego. It comes from the work that you put in. Mm -hmm. So finding things that you can actually achieve and start with, break the inertia, and slowly you will get better. Mm -hmm. That getting better part, though, is up to how much you want to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is one of the is way more important than oh can you make an AI for my mobile app immediately please I would rather see a junior dev come in fail pick himself back up uh, him or herself back up and then create another app do it again do it right pick something bigger fail do it again do it right and eventually those failures are going to become far and few between and even if they're not mm-hmm. as long as they're not the same mistakes. You're growing. No, I think, uh, yeah, I feel like the sweet spot is, is you want to, you want to like succeed at least like four out of five times somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Cause if you're not, you're not failing, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And, um, if you're not oh, succeeding, yeah. then you're not, you know, you're not being realistic, but, um, Hey, Alex, this has been oh, man. great. Where can people find out more about you online? Sure. So, uh, as I said in the beginning, we're actually both uh, part of JSLA. It's a wonderful online event where you can get together with some amazing JavaScript people that are just super passionate about what they do. And also it kind of goes hand in hand with the networking thing that we were talking about in the beginning. I'm just saying you can come visit us, uh, go to the website js.la. We have an event almost every month of the year, except November and December, October, is our last event. So if there are any speakers that have anything that they'd like to talk about, any adventures that they've had with some new code or just any experiences that have made them a better developer or person, we'd love to hear from you. David, I really appreciate the time. This has been fun and uh, it was great talking with you, man. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me today. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm David Gutman and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior.